It is wonderful to see all of your faces here this day. It is great after having two Easter's not in our sanctuary to be gathered again and to know that we are in a place where we honor everyone's comfort level. So if you feel more comfortable with your mask, please know that we affirm that decision and we support you. And if you are someone who's like, I have not seen a face in a long time and I wanna see your face, Go ahead and show your face, but don't go up to someone else and pull down their mask, okay? <laughs> All right. This is a joyous and wonderful day where we get to celebrate the risen Lord. I am so excited to see y'all here. I was a little anxious about the Christ candle being lit, I'll be honest with you. But they got it done, and I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you so much. As I said, we're so glad that you joined us in worship on Easter Sunday, whether you are with us here in person or if you are online. Today, we worship the resurrected Savior, the risen Lord. Now and forever, Jesus is the transformer of life and works miracles of new life over sin and death. Thanks be to God for Jesus the Christ. He is risen. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Let us center our hearts for worship by receiving the introit. as you are able and join with me in the call to worship. Run from fear and darkness. Hope is on the move. Do not be afraid. Jesus has conquered death. Christ is risen. Amen. Thank you. 
you join me in prayer? Loving God, joy floods over our souls this day. Christ is risen. Fear is vanquished. Open our hearts and our spirits to receive fully the joy which has been given for us. Let us celebrate the victory of Christ and the hope of the future. Amen. You may be seated. Now's the time in our worship service where I have the opportunity to talk to the children of our church. And we have the fun joy of some of our kids are traveling this weekend, but that also means that we have some kids that are traveling to visit us this weekend. So if it's a new face to us, welcome them. Let them know that they are loved and that we celebrate that they are here with us this day. And if you are traveling and watching us online, we miss you and we hope to see you soon. For our kids, I want to give some movement for you guys so you know what's going on. For our littlest kids, if you are squirmy, we welcome that. If you want to be squirmy in your seat where you are, that's okay. If you want a little freedom to squirm, we have this nifty room back there called the playground, where you can go and wiggle to your heart's content. You'll notice that it's playground, not playground. You can do a little bit of playing, but we hope that you get the message about God at the same time while you're there. So if you need that, feel free. For our children who are in preschool through first grade, we do have Sunday school for you this morning, and Miss Pam is ready to teach a lesson for you, and I know that it'll be wonderful. For our kids second grade and up, your teacher is traveling this week. So, there are activity bags in the narthex for you that you can go grab. There's also clipboards with sheets that you can participate in and, and have fun that way. So, if you get up and move after the children's message, I'll assume that that's what's going on, and that is okay as well. We want you to have fun. We want you to hear the story of Jesus as our Savior and the empty tomb. So, whatever you need to do to engage in our story, today is about that. And after worship, we have a fun thing called an Easter egg hunt. Now, we did something different this year in that when you go for your hunt, some of the eggs will be empty. I know that some of you will initially go, I didn't get my treat. But the egg is empty for a reason. It's to remind us that the tomb is empty that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that we are given new life through God's love for us. So if you happen to get an egg that is empty, please don't break down in tears because that would break my heart. If you get an empty egg, say, he is risen, and maybe the people around you will say, he is risen indeed. That'll be a fun adventure. We'll see if it works. But... But I hope that you know that the empty eggs are there on purpose and not as some mean trick for you, but to remind you that today is all about the fact that Jesus wasn't in the tomb when Mary went to go find him. So will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. 
And thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us. Loving us so much that the tomb was empty. Hallelujah. He was risen. Amen. All right, so wherever you kids need to move, feel free, and let's prepare our hearts for prayer. Take a breath and center our spirits and go to God in prayer. Holy God, hear the stirring of our spirits, the yearning of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We are in need of your touch being made real in our lives to give us strength and to give us courage that we might experience healing and renewed life. Be with us, touch us, make yourself known. We begin our time of prayer this morning thinking that there are too many times in our lives in which we are less than you would hope for us, saying words or doing deeds that reflect more our, our fallen nature than our higher nature with you. And so we would spend just a moment to be in confession, asking your forgiveness of our sins. And it is through the open, empty tomb that we are encouraged to think that indeed even us, your grace may wash clean and strengthen for life anew. We give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to continue to grow, to become our better selves. We need that because indeed we find ourselves these days feeling as if we are standing in a graveyard. Pandemic, war, peering in an empty tomb though with some glimpse of something more for ourselves, seeking to understand all that has come before and making meaning for ourselves of it. We dare to trust, we dare to believe 
and a more for humanity and a more for each one of us. We look and we see selfishness and greed and prejudice and oppression and hatred and exclusion and violence and war and it all is pressing in on our sensitive souls. Raise our vision above all of that mess that is part of humanity and help us to know that there is a better way of life. And we need only choose, face into the wind, be inspired by your spirit, be emboldened to move forward to that vision of a better, more abundant life of love and grace that overflows. Help us to set a course for a better life knowing that separation and death, knowing that nothing can separate us from your great love. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or, or mental health issues, for those with troubled relationships, uncertain employment, other forms of disease and discomfort. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Specifically this morning, again, we pray for all those who are struggling and moving forward in life through and beyond cancer, and we thank again by name this morning, Linda Northrup and her husband Dave, Kathy Drake and her husband Ken. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Bill and Sandy Nordoff as they manage health concerns and as Sandy awaits a, a new surgery. We think of Tom Hopkins, who awaits a shoulder, shoulder surgery this month. Be with them both as they stand, perhaps anxiously looking forward with hopes and prayers for improved health. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We again think of Tracy Van Fleet's mom, Charlotte, who is now recovering from her, search, her hip surgery at home. We think of Paul Fay's business colleague who is recovering from a severe arm and shoulder fracture. We pray for all of those who are having difficulty with breaks or illnesses and, and pray that you might help them to heal and recover. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. This morning we think of Olivia Betancourt, Ryan and Mary Hart's cousin's daughter who is recovering from severe burns, surgery to help to ameliorate that. We pray for the family, we pray for this young child for healing and strength through this difficult process. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And for our church family here who for so many years uh, knew the presence and the antics of Skip Voss. Uh, we pray for his family and all of us who are grieving his passing uh, this last week. And we pray that his spirit may find peace and uh, clarity 
that meets the joy of his life that he shared with us now in your embrace. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for all those suffering from COVID as patients or as family caregivers through the anxiety of this disease as it plays itself out. We think this morning particularly of uh, my cousin Mimi Kennedy who is uh, experiencing COVID and we are praying that she is healing well from that. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we think this morning as we celebrate life over death, of love over hate, we think of where death and hate is raising its ugly face and having its way in people's lives around the globe. Perhaps even in experiences in our neighborhoods but this morning, as a people of faith, we pray for the people of Ukraine. Displaced, threatened, injured, killed by violence. We pray that this madness of our human group would find a way to be resolved and end. We pray for them there in the Ukraine and we pray for ourselves that we would find a way to, beyond, to be beyond envy and hatred in our own lives and forge a course of loving relationships towards peace. We pray it would start with us. We pray it would be encircling the globe, your message of love. We pray for your help, O oh Lord. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. On this fun Easter morning, we also think of all the joy that we are experiencing of having family together. I know the Dilch family is just ecstatic with, with children and grandchildren home, but it's not just happening in our family. It's happening in a great number of families. We are celebrating love bursting forth. We think of Pastor Rachel and her family as... Uh, we feel sadness over her, her upcoming transfer to another church, but great joy on the advancement of her appointment and the taking on of new responsibilities commensurate with her talents as she goes in July to a new appointment. And we think about all of the stories that are a part of the faces gathered this morning in which there has been a touch of your spirit, a taste of new life, a glimpse of resurrection, a promise of a better day. We are thankful for those moments, the faith and the resolve, the resiliency that it creates. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Now, there have been concerns or joys on each one of our hearts that are kept private to ourselves, and we spend just a moment in silence now together with one another, acknowledging these. Go with us, Lord God, 
each and every day. All of this we pray in your son's holy name, joining together in the prayer that he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Almighty God, we give you thanks for this day. 
for the energy in this room and the excitement that we feel, the joy of new life in the fact that Christ is risen and the fact that the tomb is empty and that you are inviting us to new life with you. We thank you for the ways in which your spirit has already been at work this day, inviting us into connection with you and seeing the ways in which you invite us on a journey to understand you better and to live lives of wholeness and new life. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I, I want to take a moment for a pause to say to those on, of you online, thank you for those of you who stuck around while you were having trouble connecting, and for those of you who were connected and took a little break as we reset everything, thank you for your patience. The gift of technology is that we're able to connect to those that are not here with us as well. I know that there's at least 25 households that are watching with us as we are worshiping together, our, our computer screens when I say 25, and that m number may have increased and it doesn't matter, but we did a little sort of rushing around a couple minutes ago to uh, get that taken care of. So thank you to our tech team as usual for your diligent work and your faithfulness and to everyone who was patient in the process. Today, we are here to celebrate the resurrected Savior and his victory over death, not just for him, but for us as well. This is a day of joy, a day of wonder, a day of hope, but it's also a day that started in darkness, in fear and sadness. It is only as the day breaks and the tomb is discovered that the that it's discovered that the stone is rolled away, that knowing begins to break like the rising of the sun. Slowly and cautiously, bit by bit, until the sun crosses the horizon and we have a new day. Now, I was at the sunrise service this morning and there was that point where it was dark. It was gravely dark as the service started and our world started to be lit as we passed the light of Christ across to one another. And then, at a certain point, you could tell when the sun crossed the horizon because it was substantially brighter than it was before. Our Easter journey is like that. When we realize that Christ is risen, Christ has risen for you, for me, and for the world, it's like there's a new light that illuminates everything and gives us hope for what is to come. Today, I will be talking about the resurrected or risen Savior as our church wraps up a sermon series on the characteristics of God. We've talked about things that help us to connect to God, and we've looked at how Jesus is one of us, how Jesus is a teacher, a healer, a prophet, or a world changer, how Jesus is a bearer of grace, and how Jesus is our Lord. Today, we look at what it means for Jesus to be our Savior. As we begin to contemplate today's characteristics, I want to invite Katie to come forward to share with us one of our stories of Jesus' resurrection. And I don't know if you've noticed this before, but as you open your Bible and you go to the resurrection stories, all of them are a little different depending on what gospel lesson you read. This scripture is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, 
Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples turned to their homes, returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have t carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. I have to admit that this is one of my favorite versions of the uh, resurrection story. and I, I, It's my favorite. I, I was thinking about going, it's one of my top four, and then I realized, I was like, that was a really cheesy joke. So, um, but, but it is my favorite for a variety of different reasons. I, I appreciate that Mary is approaching in the darkness. She's wondering, she's curious. She's filled with grief about the fact that her savior, the one that she's been following, the, the, her teacher and rabbi is gone, and she's wondering what is next for her community and for her as she contemplates life without Jesus. And so she is amazed when the tomb is found to be open, the stone rolled away, and wondering what is going on. She doesn't even make it to the tomb. She just sees it, and she's like, I have to go tell people. And she immediately runs and finds the disciples. And two disciples join her on this journey, and they continue on into finding out what's going on. 
There's a variety of different responses, and I think that it's valuable for us to recognize that because each and every one of us comes here today with a different response and a different feeling on our hearts. Maybe we're like Mary and we're sitting in grief and despair over something that we've lost. Maybe we're like Peter who has a boatload of guilt weighing on him for the fact that he has denied Jesus three times during his crucifixion. Maybe we're like the other disciple who has seen and believes and goes in with confidence knowing that it is true. Regardless of what we're feeling, all of them are valid, all of them are important, and all of them we need to honor this day. As we talk about Jesus as our Savior, we need to think about what does it mean for Jesus to be our Savior and how does the cross lead to salvation? Did you know that Savior only appears two times in the Gospels? Does anyone have any guesses as where they might be? I know we don't usually do interactive sermons, so if no one responds, that's okay. All right, so the first one is in the Gospel of Luke. In our Christmas scriptures, when the angels appear to the shepherds, they say, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all of the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. So we hear that Jesus is our Savior from the very get-go. And I'll get back to that in a second. The next time, and the only other time that Jesus is actually proclaimed as Savior in the Gospels, is in John 4, 42. And some of you may go, oh, John 4, that's the, the woman at the well. Some of you are like, no, Rachel, you just, just filled me in. <laughs> uh, and so, in the story of the woman at the well, a woman goes to the well to draw water at an off hour. She goes at noon, so she doesn't have to interact with people. And she meets Jesus. And Jesus knows her more than any person that she's talked to in a while. And he reveals things about her that she didn't think that anyone that she's meeting for the first time should know. But Jesus knew it. And Jesus invites her to bring others to come, come hear his story. And as they come and hear, they recognize him as the Savior. And they say, in listening to the Jesus and the proclamation of the Samaritan woman, they say, this, true, this is truly the Savior of the world. Now, Savior only appears in the Gospels two times, but that is a very important doctrine and characteristic for all of us, right? That Jesus is our Savior? It's something that we hold on to pretty tightly. And that could be because in the epistles, the letters after the Gospels, Paul spends a lot of time explaining the cross and how it is that we are saved. There is a writer named Stephen Finlan who talks about Paul's various ways to explain the work of the cross and how it impacts us. He would tell us that there are six possibilities of ways that we can understand the cross and how the cross brings us into right relationship with God. They range from a scapegoat who uh, we are, Jesus is the scapegoat who cleanses the community of sin, that we are slaves who are redeemed from bondage, Justification makes our character right, so that's growing in 
in faith and accepting Jesus as, as our Lord. Um, there's the explanation that the cross is in line with God's desires. I don't particularly like that one, but that's... Um, there's one that says, through reconciliation, the world is brought back into relationship with God, and that by adoption, God is revealed as our loving parent. Throughout Paul's writings, these various understandings are shared and may sometimes even be intertwined and interwoven together. They may help people to understand how Jesus is our Savior. But what does salvation mean? Diana Butler Bass, in her work, Freeing Jesus, explains salvation this way. The word salvation comes from the Latin word salvus, which originally referred to being made whole, uninjured, safe, or in good health. Salvus was not about being taken out of this life. It was about this life being healed. In this sense, Salvus per perfectly described the biblical vision of God's justice and mercy, peace and well-being, comfort and equanimity being made whole, uninjured, safe, or in good health. This life being healed. Those words are so important. I think that we spend a lot of time when we talk about this day, about how this day, how Easter makes us ready for heaven. But I want us to know that this day heals us here and now, that God is at work with us now, offering us new life, mending those broken parts of our being so that we can be made whole. Salvation is more than just our access to heaven. Salvation has been, is happening here and now. Butler Bass says, Easter proclaims that God overcomes all oppression and justice, even the murder of an innocent one. Atonement, or at-one-ment, means just that. Through Jesus, all will be renewed, made whole, brought back into oneness, reunited with God. Salvation is not a transaction to get to heaven after death. Rather, it is an experience of love and beauty and of paradise here and now. I think that that's so important for us. Salvation is about the here and now as much as it is about the then and there and how Jesus is active and in our life. In her book, Freeing Jesus, Butler Bass outlines how Jesus as a Savior did not begin at the cross, but began at his birth when he came into the world and when Jesus was doing ministry during his lifetime. That's why I think it's important that the first time that we hear Jesus as our Savior is at his birth narrative, so that we remember that Jesus was our Savior not just at his death, but in his living and the ways in which our lives, our world was transformed by what he taught us, what he taught his disciples, what he taught his followers. And we have the opportunity to embrace that now. Butler Bass says, he did not wait around for 33 years and suddenly become a savior in an act of ruthless, bloody execution. It was all of the ways he was serving the community, performing miracles, healing the sick, offering a new understanding of how we could live in the world. He was already saving lives. That's what got him into trouble and ultimately led to his crucifixion. Butler Bass is quoted as saying, 
He was not killed so his death would save people. He was killed because he was already saving people. He threatened a world based on fear, one held in the grip of Roman imperialism by proving that a community could gather in love, set a table of plenty, and live in peace with a compassionate God. I love that imagery to remind us that Jesus was saving us in his life as much as in his death, that Jesus is saving us now just as he was saving us then and saving us in the future. It's so important. Here is what I want you to take away from today if the rest falls away. Just as Jesus is building relationships and offering healing back then, Jesus is still doing that today. Now, Let's go back to the definition of salvation again that I read at the beginning. Being made whole, uninjured, safe, or in good health. That is what God wants for each of us sitting in this room, each of us worshiping online, and in all honesty, everyone everywhere, to be made whole. And so I ask, what are the broken portions of your life? What are the broken portions of our life that need to be made whole? Where do you need healing? For each of us, that will be different. If we are like Peter, we are sitting in guilt and grief for the decisions that we've made, the choices that have impacted, the building of God's kingdom, and the ways in which we have hurt or harmed others. But, and for some of us, it'll be different. I have that later. Um, But just as Jesus emerged from the tomb and was raised from the dead, we are invited to shake off the aspects of our lives that are damaging us and to find new life in Christ, to be made whole. Marcus Borg, in his work, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time, talks about people's need for a Savior. For some of us, we are in need of Jesus to take away our sinful and unclean portions of ourselves. We feel like we're like Peter and we have guilt and grief that we're walking with. For others of us, that, that need of un- cleaning the unclean portions of ourselves is not needed. It makes no sense. He says that each of us have a different thing that we need to be saved from or saved for. He said, Borg says, for some, the need is liberation. For others, the need is homecoming. And still for others, the need is acceptance. Do you need liberation? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need a homecoming being welcomed back into God's loving arms? Or do you need to feel like you are accepted and welcome within God's community? Butler Bass reminds us, no matter our experience or our deepest needs, Jesus saves That is so important for us to remember. Jesus saves. Throughout Freeing Jesus, Butler Bass takes us through her faith journey and the various ways in which she encountered Jesus during her life. She talks about Jesus as her friend, Jesus as her teacher, Jesus as her savior, her Lord, the way, and as a presence. She talks about when she was lost, even in the midst of being active in church, how she felt that while she was doing everything she was told to do, that the life-giving love of Jesus was not nurturing her in the ways that she had hoped for, in the ways that she was promised. When she felt broken and defeated, Butler Bass likened this time as to being in jail. As she was sharing this with another, that person echoed her sentiments back 
to her by changing out the word jail with the word cage, and then asked what was keeping her in that cage and encouraged her to walk out. Sin is a big word on Easter, but I want to remind us that all of our sins are different. For some of us, it is pride. For others, it is lust. For others, it is envy. Some of us are sitting in that grief and that guilt that I'm talking about. Some of us have the sin of diminishing our gifts and graces to fit into a room, are allowing our voices to be erased. Each of us has a different experience. When Butler Bass was talking about her time in jail or in the cage, she said, I would later understand that my sin in the whole affair was not being myself, subordinating the gifts and insights I brought to studying history and theology to what others insisted I must believe. I allowed myself to be colonized by a system that wanted to silence me and participated in a kind of obedience that slaughters the soul. I found myself in a theological cage, one sadly, sadly that I had helped to build. My sin was not pride. I did not want to be God. My sin was the negation of my own self, in effect killing myself in favor of the person others told me I must be. Sin does indeed lead to death. What are the things that are no longer life-giving to you? What are the things that are holding you back from experiencing God's life-giving love? What are the things that you need to let go of, that you need to shed, that you need to emerge from in such a way that your life can be changed? What is your jail? What is your cage? Butler Baston frame it this way, but I want to ask, what is the tomb that Jesus is calling you out of so that you might have new life? How might you be transformed and healed this day? Some of our tombs have been created by others and some we have built ourselves. Regardless, Jesus has rolled away the stone and is inviting us to emerge, transform, and be made new. One last quote from Butler Bass. Sin is the rejection of the beauty and the goodness of God's image in every person. Jesus lived such fullness perfectly, and he revealed the deep wisdom of that truth. Christ the Word speaks this into the world, the light of the world, the flame of our heart. Jesus saves. I invite each and every one of us to embrace the beauty and the goodness that is inside of us, to recognize that Jesus, our Savior, is calling each and every one of our names just as he did for Mary so long ago. And Jesus is inviting us to be fully alive. Accept this invitation this day on this Easter. Come out of your tomb and claim life. Amen?
Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. Isn't it great to have the choir back growing in strength each week? It's marvelous to see you all and to have our, our bell choir. This is a, a living experience of resurrection. Two years ago, huh? It's been a lot of weeks, a lot of Sundays, a lot of mask wearing. Things have happened. Do you remember how pregnant Jordan Surratt was? Do you remember that? You know, and then kind of just dropped out of our world because the pandemic and we weren't meeting each other. But there she is in the back there with her twins, Jordan and Jason. So you got a chance to see them uh, today and to celebrate how life has been going on and new birth has been happening and more people in our sanctuary this morning than, uh, than we've had for, well, two years right? We're coming back to life. Now, life, you will read all the articles about uh, our society and the world, and life is not going to be the same. Well, in some ways, that might be all right, right? It might be that we have uh, stumbled upon new ways of seeing things and new ways of embracing life and some priorities of relationships and of meaning perhaps have, have taken on a new power in our life that was kind of lost in the patterns beforehand. You know that Pastor Rachel and I have been uh, encouraging you to find where resurrection might lie for you and to grow into that and blossom forward and you heard that in her message today, and it's extended to you each day to do that with God. So as we come to this time of offering and we uh, hear our offertory, you're encouraged to help support uh, our church and our ministries that happen within our door, online, and beyond our doors, and you'll get instructions on the screen for how to do that if you are online, and if you're here with us in person, um, we have plates, offering plates by the rear doors. Remember in the beginning of the pandemic where we were so scared of touching uh, one another or touching something that somebody else touched? Um, we were in a panic over that. We got all sorts of cleaning supplies to do things we haven't gotten back into passing the plates yet, is what I'm saying, but I, I think we will at any moment. Don Phillipson is, is volunteering right now, I can see, to <laughs> become one of our ushers to pass the plates. Probably with Doug behind him, you guys could do that. Today, they're still at the doors. Uh, in the future, maybe we'll pass them among us. But know that that is where we will receive your offering if you feel inclined to do that to support the church's ministries or support our special ministries in the Ukraine for people who are suffering oppression and displacement. Both of those through Yom Kor or through us are your opportunity this morning in particular. All right, blessings. Nick, let us hear your offering. <laughs>
Let's pray. Most holy God, we thank you for the many ways that you bless us, especially through the redemptive power of your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Your gift of new and transformed life is miraculous to us and the source of our gratitude to you and our love to one another across whatever barriers seem to divide us. Help us be our best selves in your spirit as we seek to be children of your mercy and forgiveness, children of your peace and your justice. Lift us up. Send us out as extensions of your love and grace. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn. and adding to the celebration of the resurrected Savior to our choir, our brass ensemble, our bells.
Thank you for bringing such passion and life to the worship service today. I want to invite you to go into the world as people redeemed by God's love and assured that you have new life in Christ. Join us on the patio for refreshments provided by Bob and Joyce Troop in celebration of the risen Lord and their 60th wedding anniversary. You can thank them and their family who are in town visiting for the treat. They're in the back back there so you can see them. And please stick around for our Easter egg hunt for our children through elementary school that will begin shortly. I want to invite our acolytes to come forward. They're very upset because usually they're in Sunday school and don't get to extinguish the light. So, And so they're coming forward. All right. And receive these words as they take the light of Christ into the world. Rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth in love. Confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you in love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen. Amen.